and welcome to the latest episode of The Month in VC, Disrupt Africa's regular podcast on the African venture capital space, brought to you in partnership with Catapult Africa, Haliasani Capital, Atlantica Ventures, and introducing our latest collaborator, Endeavour South Africa. Every month, we catch you up on all the latest investment and funds news, introduce you to investors, and discuss key trends and themes from the industry. Here are all the latest developments in the space from the last few weeks. We've spent much of the last year talking about global capital shortages, funding winters and the like, as the African tech space battled a downturn in VC and previously flushed startups struggled to keep their heads above water. But now the numbers for 2023 are in, and though they aren't great, they probably aren't as bad as many had feared they would be. According to the ninth edition of the African Tech Startups Funding Report, released last month by Disrupt Africa in partnership with Flourish Ventures, AAIC Investment and Atlantica Ventures, total investment into the African tech startup ecosystem fell by 27.8% to $2.4 billion in 2023. While the African tech space had an impressive 2022, bucking global trends to see total funding increase to beyond the $3 billion mark, 2023 signified a reset of sorts. That $2.4 billion was raised by 406 startups, a number that was in itself down 36% from 633 in 2022. This is the first time the sector, which has expanded so exponentially in the last few years, has declined since 2016. Though a fall in funding of less than a third is an improvement on projections from earlier in the year, when a decline of 50% in line with global VC trends was deemed likely. We'll dig into the findings and what they mean later in the episode. Nonetheless, African tech ventures do continue to raise funding. Since the last episode of this podcast series in mid-December, there's been plenty of activity, much of it in Egypt and Kenya, two markets that largely bucked trends when it came to declining funding in 2023. In Egypt, e-health company Yadawi raised $10 million in extra funding to support its growth plans, while EdTech startup iSchool raised $4.5 million to accelerate its own expansion. There was also growth funding for AI startup DXWand and fintech and customer loyalty app Zeal, $4 million each, as well as logistics company Robust, which banked $3 million. EdTech startup Ajura raised a pre-seed round. In Kenya, Apollo Agriculture, a commercial farming platform that helps small-scale farmers maximise their profits, raised $10 million in funding to help it continue to grow. Another agri-tech startup, Shamba Pride, raised $3.7 million in pre-series A debt and equity funding to help it expand its operations and impact. There are also rounds for re-commerce platform Badili and climate tech startup Coco. In Nigeria, meanwhile, social commerce platform Maka raised $2.65 million in funding, and there was also funding for talent acceleration startup Algorithm. South Africa saw Carry First, Africa's leading game publisher and digital commerce platform, secure a strategic investment from the Sony Innovation Fund Africa, the venture capital arm of Sony Group Corporation. Meanwhile, developer hiring marketplace OfficeN raised $4.3 million. Elsewhere, the Rwanda-based electric transport energy company Ampersand raised $19.5 million in equity and debt funding to help it continue to expand operations. Ivory Coast-based iCare startup La Paire secured $3 million and Senegalese retail tech startup ProChalice banked half a million. Even in a funding winter, new funds continue to be raised. EIB Global, a specialised arm of the European Investment Bank, the European Union's long-term lending institution, made a US$30 million US dollar equity investment in Seedstars Africa Ventures 1, a VC fund aimed at providing risk capital to innovative businesses and startups across Africa. The South Africa-based E4E Africa, an entrepreneur-driven VC fund, announced the first close of its US$30 million E4E Africa Fund 2. And do with this as you will. At Davos, the United Nations Development Programme partnered a host of African countries to launch Timbuktu. It said the new initiative is positioned to be the world's largest financing facility, bringing catalytic and commercial capital together to support Africa's startup ecosystem. Well, right now it's certainly necessary. (music) 
In each episode of the month in VC, we focus on one individual Africa-focused investor, learning about their background, their company, and their investment ethos. This month, we caught up with Amea Upadhe, venture partner at Flourish Ventures, an evergreen fintech-focused fund present on five continents, including Africa, where it counts the likes of Flutterwave and Fair Money among its portfolio. Born in India, Amea actually grew up in Gaborone, Botswana, before returning to India for college. He joined Flourish Ventures' predecessor, Omijar Network, the philanthropic investment organization founded by eBay founder Pierre and his wife Pam in India in 2012. Since 2016, he's been based in London, where he leads Flourish's investment activities in Africa. So Flourish Ventures is, um, I think the best way to describe it is it's a venture capital fund with a purpose, and the purpose is creating a better financial system. And what we mean by that is a financial system that helps people solve their real-life problems, real-life money problems, helps them manage their cash flows better, protect against downside, have investment capital to capture upsides, um, and a financial system that is built on trust and transparency and that is competitive, open, uh, promotes multiple players that offer the best services to customers and is regulated in a balanced way that promotes both customer protection and innovation. That then is what he calls the audacious goal of Flourish, and it works to achieve that by investing in innovators and change makers at mostly seed and series A stage. It does that globally. So we have investments in the US, in Latin America, India, Southeast Asia, and Africa. We are funded by a single LP, Pierre Romidier, and it is from his name that the organization we were formerly a part of derives its name, which is Omidyar Network which is an umbrella organization of several funds focusing on different sectors. And several of the more mature ones have spun out. And Flourish Ventures is the fintech fund that has spun out of uh, Omidyar Network. And that happened early 2019. So we've been an independent entity for the last four years. We have a portfolio of um, 71 companies, and we have about $850 million of um, capital. Flourish doesn't work with individual funds, but more on a rolling basis, having brought over a portfolio of 200 million of assets invested when it spun out from Omijar, plus 300 million of commitments. It recently received 350 million more in commitments, meaning it has plenty of firepower. And so it is not a fund. It is a single LP balance sheet investment vehicle. It's important to highlight that that is one of the comparative advantages we feel because we do not have pressures from LPs to exit from positions prematurely. And especially when you're investing in frontier markets, particularly in Africa, you know that the exit timelines are going to be much longer than the cut and dry two plus eight timeline of several funds from the Valley. Flourish then is able to stay invested for longer than other funds are structurally able to, which Amea believes makes it a better partner for entrepreneurs in frontier markets. We look to exit when our capital and our role on the board becomes less significant in a company. So when our capital is no longer catalytic, to use a word that's often maligned. It doesn't define that stage by a number of years then, but rather when it is the right time for the startup in question to continue to an exit. Flourish invests on average between 2 and $7 million on the first check, but it's about more than just the capital injection. The firm prefers to lead or co-lead investments and plays a very active board role. Outside capital, we feel we bring a lot to the table. And one part of that is, of course, thought partnership and strategic advice from the investment team members. But we also have a large intellectual capital team or intellectual capital vertical that conducts customer research and shares that with our portfolio and with the wider industry. 
We also have a human capital vertical that helps entrepreneurs hire, retain, and promote the best talent in the market, and also provide founders with um, help for their own well-being and for their own mental health, which is, we feel that it's a topic that has been ignored for long enough, and founders face a very difficult journey. And we want to be part of um, supporting their holistic growth, as opposed to just um, one facet of their whole person. Like any sector-focused fund, Flourish has had several waves of investment across different niches and subsectors. If you look at our portfolio, it's a very broad-ranging portfolio that includes payment infrastructure companies, credit companies, credit infrastructure, wealth management, challenger banks, embedded finance companies, and enterprise infrastructure companies. And I would say that more recently, we've been focused on the theme of embedded finance and infrastructure. And what I mean by embedded finance is something very simple, which is fintech incorporated on platforms that are non-fintech. Sector aside, there are various factors that affect the development of tech ventures across the continent, Amaya says. The first is market size. As I said, I, I spent several years investing in India and the market slide was one of the slides in the deck that you didn't really need to pay much attention to. You knew that if you built something that was meaningful, there was enough of a customer base in the country to buy that. And I don't think that's true for Africa. I don't believe that a single country in Africa has the depth of market that can generate the kind of VC returns that LPs are used to in the Valley. And this could be a controversial statement, but I'm happy to be corrected. I say it with all humility, but this is my humble opinion. And that is, uh, that is a fact that I think we need to recognize and work with. In addition, there is a shortage of talent due in part to issues with educational systems, but also migration out of African countries. I would say that one of the biggest challenges startups face on the continent is hiring talent, especially technology talent, engineers. Number three is foreign exchange. The investments are made in dollars. Revenue is usually generated in a local currency. And if you see the trend line for, let's, let's say, let's take three of the four major African VC markets, Nigeria, Kenya, South Africa, and Egypt. And if you take the currencies of Nigeria, Egypt, and Kenya, they've depreciated by 200%, and 50%, and 50% over the last two years. And there is no startup that, if you're a startup in Nigeria, you're earning in Nairas. And the currency is depreciating at a rate of 100% per annum. You are required to grow your company at 8 to 10% month on month just to keep the dollar revenues constant. And that is not a battle anyone can win. We began with some of the key findings from our recently released funding report, which tracked a decline in the number of African startups securing capital in 2023, as well as total investment. Unsurprisingly, the number of investors was also down by around 50%, and M&A activity fell away significantly. Leading markets such as Nigeria and key sectors like fintech were not immune, seeing drastic drop-offs in capital. Worrying times then for founders and investors alike. But first and foremost, what is causing the problem? Amaya says it is a question of supply rather than demand, affected by global conditions. What I mean by that is I think there were sufficient opportunities to fund, but not enough capital available. For several of the past years, I think the situation was different. (laughs) 
But this time, I think this was a question of global macroeconomics. And I think I'm not, I, I won't say anything new here, but the strength of the dollar and the high interest rates in, in the U.S. meant that capital flew out of Africa, as it always does in these situations. And that was accompanied by a global VC pullback, which affected Africa. That was to be expected, however, and perhaps it's not been as bad in Africa as it could have been. Like you say in your report, I feel that Africa has weathered the storm better than many of us expected. And there's been a global decline of 50% in VC funding globally, right? And I think that um, Africa has proven itself to be more resilient than many of us thought. Antonia Bosna is Capital Markets Lead at Endeavour South Africa, which is part of the Global Endeavour Network. Endeavour South Africa facilitates access to capital through introductions to investors in this global network, its own harvest fund and the Endeavour Global Catalyst Fund. Antonia says the downturn had been a while coming. You know, the global markets have been cooling off for quite some time. South Africa's, I mean, not South Africa, Africa has been coming off such a low base. And you had, you know, a slow year in COVID, which you had a massive year that in 2021 continued to 2022. We will always lag global markets. The downturn, even if a while coming and not as bad as expected, has been extremely damaging to African tech startups, especially, of course, those that have been in fundraising cycle in the last 18 months. Disrupt Africa and this podcast have reported extensively on the closures and scale backs affecting many leading startups in the space. No need to repeat it here. But startups across the board are having to reformat their business models given the prevailing investment climate. Entrepreneurs have just had to tighten their belts and look at the cash flows very closely and bring down their burn ratios. But, you know, it's not just a question of, I think the, the bigger problem that we are facing here is the macroeconomic vulnerability of the largest African markets. There may be a bigger overall problem, however, which is the macroeconomic vulnerability of the largest African markets. So if you look at Nigeria and Egypt specifically, both the countries are in, I would say, in a macroeconomic crisis. And by that, I mean there is an acute shortage of dollars in both countries, leading to massive decline in um, currency values that is causing uh, runaway inflation in both these countries because uh, several of their goods are imported. So the strength of the dollar is causing currency depreciation that is then leading to higher import bills that is feeding through the economies which is then harming household discretionary income that many of these fintech startups depend on. So it's a double whammy. There is shortage of capital to, um, to strengthen the balance sheet of these companies, but at the same time, the PNL is getting affected because uh, it's harder to charge customers, both businesses and individuals, because they are stressed themselves. This double whammy, then, is a fundamental threat to many businesses, and it doesn't seem the going is set to get any easier anytime soon. Amaya says 2024 will prove just as tough as 2023. The reason I say that is because several of these challenges, as I mentioned, are structural related to dollar versus local currencies or higher import bills and so on, which, which are unlikely to be reversed in the short term. Antonia agrees. I think these markets are incredibly lagged. So I think it's going to be a tough year again. Although... I would say we've had incredible inbound for South African entrepreneurs. I think regionally, people have been kind of refocused where they are. And now they're suddenly kind of lifting their heads up and going, actually, you know, there's some really exciting opportunities. It isn't all doom and gloom then. I think there are several strong, fundamentally strong businesses 
that can relook at their um, expansion plans, product portfolios, spends, and really rationalize in the face of um, more difficult funding conditions. Zooming out over the last four years, Africa is still doing pretty well, Antonia says. The dynamics are pretty good for existing companies. Um, it's a less competitive space potentially if your competitor hasn't managed to raise. It, it's really allowed the, the entrepreneurs to refocus and focus and really understand where their value is and position for that. But all entrepreneurs need to realize that every dollar in the bank right now is costlier than it was before. And that is because it's harder to find a dollar to replace that dollar that you spend. And it's going to cost you more because valuations are down. So suddenly the price of every dollar in the bank has gone up, I would say, several fold. And that entrepreneurs need to realize that this is happening and need to tighten their belts. And I would, I would wager that many of them are doing that. The way startups operate from a structural and ethical point of view may also be boosted by the current climate. Governances and ethics are absolutely vital. I think these are really important lessons. You know, I think from from first quarter last year, we actually had a, a big kind of a shock with SVB Bank. I think that really all founders, because it really impacted, you know, we had some businesses which were had bank banking there. There was a focus in terms of really making sure that you are in control of and being in control of some of those, you know, focusing on what you can control and and then actually actioning it. Incredibly, a real pivot towards, you know, gaining some more agency, making sure that if you, you know, if you can have a path towards profitability, do that. If you can extend your runway, cash is king. And we saw most of the companies that we work with. In fact, all our mentoring time was spent on this operational efficiency. And, you know, instead of looking at 10 strategic goals or markets to invest in, it's really honing in on, okay, well, let's make sure that we're really focusing our energy and time. And, and, and the ethics component of it is an absolute paramount. African investors are, to a small extent at least, filling the gaps left by international ones. International investors particularly have stayed away from the continent, but you've really seen a pickup in Africa-led VCs, and we're seeing this you know, across emerging markets um, in other regions. There are some positives to the whole situation, then, which can generally be boiled down to better governance, better diligence and better spend management we have to admit that these are silver linings and the situation for many startups at this time is dire and that's just the reality There you go then. Some silver linings to be found, but no suggestions yet that 2024 looks set to be any easier than the difficult 2023 when it comes to raising funding, or indeed raising a fund. Hang on in there, everyone. That brings us to the end of this episode of The Month in VC, brought to you by Disrupt Africa in partnership with Catapult Africa, Halayasani Capital, Atlantic Adventures, and Endeavour South Africa. See you next time. Bye.